0: Welcome to Mom an honest discussion about the beauty and burden of motherhood.
1: I'm Emily and I'm Beth, and we hope these next few minutes encourage, inspire, and remind you that we are all in this together. This is Mom a Fort Worth Moms production.
0: Episode 30. Women's Health Hotline. Okay, friends, this is another special episode with a special guest. Beth and I were able to uh, essentially have that famous Zoom call in with um, a guest, uh, Dr. Jamie Irwin. Uh, We had a great discussion about not only ovarian cancer, ovarian health, ovarian awareness, but really about women's health issues during the pandemic and how kind of the stress and all of the extra has impacted that. So we're excited for y'all to take a listen to the chat we had with Dr. Irwin. Hello, mom fashion friends. We are hanging out again today with my co-host, and I have invited a local friend that I have. Her name is uh, Jamie Irwin. I call her Jamie. We met on the playground, kindergarten. Our girls were in the same class in the same grade, but a lot of people around town really refer to her as Dr. Irwin. So please welcome Jamie Irwin. She is a local OB-GYN doctor. So Jamie, we're excited to have you. Thank you so much.
2: Yeah, you can just call me Georgia's mom. I am totally okay with that as well.
0: <laughs> That's that, that may be how you're saved in my phone because you know it yeah. takes a, it takes a while to learn the moms' actual names. But I remember Georgia because I would hear her name over and over again.
2: So absolutely, Georgia and Henry's mom is perfectly great. I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Yay.
0: Okay, so real quick. Tell us a little bit about yourself, not only as a woman and a mother, but also a bit about your career, your professional life.
2: Absolutely. So I am a board certified OBGYN, obstetrician and gynecologist, practicing in Fort Worth, Texas. Um, And really, that's my dream come true. I have wanted to be a physician from a very young age. And I absolutely adore taking care of women. I can't imagine doing anything else. I think it's the best job in the whole wide world. It's very, very challenging. It's very emotionally taxing at times, but absolutely rewarding just to get to walk through life with women and do life with women and um, take care of them and get to show up for them sometimes in some very hard spaces. but also get to rejoice with them in some very happy times as well. I have been married for 15 years to my wonderful husband, Charlie. He and I actually met in high school here in Fort Worth. We're both from Fort Worth. Um, We're just friends at the time, but um, connected, stayed in touch after high school and found our way to each other. And we have two fabulous children. Um, Georgia is nine going into fourth grade and um, Henry is five starting kindergarten. Yes. Um, so life is full. It is busy. Um, it's wonderful. I'm, I'm really blessed. Got great family. Takes a village of course. Mm-hmm. Got friends and family that just hold me up and um, let me do what I do every day. Well, we are so excited
0: that you have agreed to kind of lift up and walk alongside us during our time together in our efforts to also encourage and help women who are our listeners. So this is an interesting episode. Last September, we recorded an episode called The Vagina Confessions. It's kind of on a similar topic. Um, As many of you know, September is um, Ovarian Cancer Awareness Month, and really there's a lot of emphasis in September and October with just women's health issues, from breast health to the health not just of your ovaries, but Everything that kind of makes us a woman Mm -hmm. like we talk about that. So I selfishly wanted you to come and talk to us um, because it's an it's a topic that's near and dear to my heart. Um, and I also think that it is an interesting topic to discuss during a pandemic, but we'll get get to that in a minute. So um, like I said, we talked a little bit about, it was just um, kind of a conversation between Beth and me about, you know, kind of our family histories and how we approach talking about our gynecologic health with our kids. Interestingly enough, Beth and I have all daughters. Like it's a bunch of girls when we get together. So Beth, what do you remember? Like what stands out to you from that original episode we did?
1: I just, I think in sitting down with you, Jamie, I am most excited because I remember in that episode confessing how little I knew growing up and even as a young woman about my own body. And my own health, specifically my reproductive health, and how um, just really there was a lot of ignorance and a lot of just unknown about it. It felt a little taboo. Right? Yes, yeah. and I think that that it continues to be a little taboo. It's it's difficult even now to know exactly how to talk to my girls about it. Um, it hasn't necessarily been something that is normalized fully. I think in our, in our culture. And so I'm just, I'm excited to hear from somebody who knows all about it. And, um, yeah. you sure thing. Get to, yeah. Get to kind of pick your brain a little bit and, and hear your thoughts on that. So,
2: yeah, well, I don't think you're alone in that. I, I um, have patients every day in the office where um, conversations will circle back to very basic anatomy and in physiology and talking about what our female parts do. What is their purpose? What is their function? Um, I think there is always room for education and learning. And as doctors, that's a big part of our job. So don't feel like you're the only one mm-hmm. um, who feels that way. But I think as moms, we definitely have an opportunity to normalize. And, um, I think that can start at home. I know at our home, this may sound kind of weird, but we use body parts by their anatomical name. I mean, even my five year old son, for better or for worse, he knows what vagina is, and you know, obviously, the potty talk is strong at that age, and he likes to throw those private body parts, you know words out there because he knows it's going to get a reaction. But we're trying to really normalize that and and you know talk and treat and think of our bodies with respect, even in my children. Um, So as a just, you know, background, get everybody up to date, ovaries um, specifically contain our hormones and they contain our eggs. So they are, we are born with as many eggs as we will ever have. And you don't make any more. That's all you get. And from the time we are born until the time we hit menopause, which is when we stop having periods, uh, we are always losing eggs. And so, and the ovaries, because they have the eggs and they have the hormones, um, they are a big part of creating that beautiful menstrual cycle with the ebb and the flow of all the hormones. Um, And that's really where they come from. It's not the only place that hormones come from, but for females, um, it is It is a big important place that have our hormones.
1: Interesting.
2: For, for my
0: perspective and my experiences, I guess would be a better word, is I'm almost completely opposite of Beth in this, as sometimes happens. <laughs> um, I grew up in a home where female health was talked about at length, but in a scary way. So my mother's great aunt died from ovarian cancer. My mother was diagnosed with ovarian cancer when I was in the third grade. Thank God she survived it after chemotherapy, hysterectomy. She had severe endometriosis into her bowels, whole nine yards. So um, I won the genetic jackpot, jackpot. right?
2: (laughs) And Mm -hmm. so
0: I was really raised with a lot of information, but it was very much wrapped up in fear. Our listeners, I think, are going to be in various boats. They're going to be gals who like Beth don't really know what warrants an unhealthy menses like they don't they don't even know what that means or what that looks like you know all the way to women who are hyper aware that they have you know a genetic predisposition to having some serious sobering struggles in that area. So I just want you, if you can split the middle in that to answer the question, like why do women need to care about ovarian health?
2: You know, first of all, like you said, split the difference, find that happy medium. Um, You know, living in fear is no way to live. And I think fear can be a good thing when it motivates us to action. And the important thing for all women to remember is that only you can make your health a priority. Nobody else can do it for you. You have to make that choice that you're going to make yourself a priority, and that's hard because mm-hmm. we're taking care of everybody else, yeah. and we've got the home, and we may have the job outside of the home, and may have children or fur babies, and husband or partner, and you know, in it's- virtual schooling.
1: <laughs> and oh, don't get me
2: scrolling. <laughs> and what is that? I know. So, so many things pulling on us that what ends up happening for a lot of women is we put our health, we put our bodies on the back burner. And what I also see is women sticking their head in the sand sometimes, just thinking, oh, it'll get better. Next month will be better. Or that, you know, mm-hmm. it'll just get better. I just got to grin and bear it and get through this this bad period or get through this pain, get through these cramps. And we just go and we go and we go and we begin to really lose sight of what it it feels like to feel good. And we kind of lose our path of like, what is normal when it comes to our GYN health? So, you know, why, why specifically ovarian cancer? About one in 78 women in their lifetime will develop ovarian cancer. So as far as rare and common spectrum, it definitely is on the more rare side of cancers. But the thing about ovarian cancer that I think is startling is that it is most commonly diagnosed at stage three. Right. It is very rare to make, to even know anybody or have a patient that has had stage one or stage two Mm -hmm. ovarian cancer. And the reason is, is that the symptoms are so vague and so nonspecific that the patient ends up blowing them off, the doctor might blow them off, or we might just assume that they are due to other things, you know? Yeah. You know, the pap smear, let's talk about the pap smear briefly. Um, I think most women just think the pap smear is a catch-all for GYN examination, A pap smear, you send it off, you need to get the result back to your doctor who can then follow up with you. And what that is, is a cervical cancer screening. And there is no pap smear equivalent for the ovaries. Mm -hmm. So that is why it's really important to continue these routine wellness exams with your OBGYN, discussing potential symptoms that, May or may not indicate a problem like getting full very easily, having vague bloating, having changes in your bowel or your bladder habits, pressure in your abdomen, pain that's new in your abdomen. Um, these, while they are very nonspecific symptoms, sometimes, especially when they're all together, when you're having all of them, um when paired with a very good examination of the pelvis by your gynecologist, could lead to hopefully an early diagnosis if something is found. Yeah, I think
0: that's something, um, at least I didn't recognize until further into my health journey, is that, you know, I go to the OB-GYN, like, it's not like those organs in my body function independent of my gastro system or my neurologic system. Mm -hmm. Oh, actually, it all is interworking.
1: Yeah. And if your hormones are coming from your ovaries, good (laughs) grief, they're controlling everything.
0: I mean, like Mm -hmm. there is a direct relationship in your bowel health and your gynecologic
2: health. Like they're best friends, you know, but we don't really know that, you know. Yeah. And they're I mean literally they're touching each other it's 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 bladder uterus bowel it's so intimately uh related there they are so so connected you're exactly right you know the pelvis is, it's and it's very dynamic you know a lot of times we we see these pictures in our memory from high school anatomy and it's everything's you know two dimensional just kind of stuck up on right. on the poster and it's all just kind of there but you know, we're moving and there's babies being had and birthed and so on and so forth. And um, it's a, it's a complicated dynamic place, the pelvis. There's no doubt.
1: All right. Well, thank you so much, Jamie. We're going to take a break and we will be right back um, to finish up our conversation.
0: This episode is brought to you by Fort Worth Moms an online parenting resource to encourage and inspire moms in North Texas
1: and all over the world. I think I'm most curious today about how do we kind of change? Because I was thinking, my viewpoint of not having a lot of information and Emily's of having too much information kind of come from fear. <laughs> Both of them, right? They have, yeah. They're out of fear. Both of them. You're yeah. right. And so how do we change that? Because we are girl moms. Right. And we are raising the next generation of girls. And I know you have one that's right there in that age too, where we're we, even the other day we were texting about how our kids' bodies are changing yeah, and we're like, started. I don't, I don't even know how to begin to handle yeah. it. So, <laughs> yeah. Tell us, how do we, yeah. how do we talk to our girls about this and raise them up to not be afraid of their own bodies? Yeah. Like what, mm. what's
2: the in go? So pull up Amazon and order this book immediately, whether you have boys or girls. And this was actually recommended to me by my OBGYN who has three daughters. Um, So the book is called, it's not about the stork and it's super cute. It's illustrated Um, and it talks about bodies and pregnancy, about sex, even just a really, really great tool. And so that is um, a wonderful recommendation that I think all parents can utilize. Um, You know, so I, I think the fear for the moms is like, you know, we won't know the answer to the question and that's okay too. I think our kids need to know that we don't know it all and we are still figuring it out no matter what the topic is. So I think definitely just have that freedom to be like, I don't know, but we can find out. Be okay. Not knowing the answers, be okay learning and investigating alongside your children. Um, I think a great goal is to just have that, that level of comfort with our children, where they can come to us and ask, I want my kids to be able to ask me anything. I want completely open dialogue, no matter how awkward and without judgment, without shame. Um, so, you know, that's, that's just really important to me because I don't want them getting false information I don't want them experiencing shame about their bodies or thinking that they should look a certain way or act a certain way. Um, You know, I just want them to know they're beautifully created and loved just as they are. So, I mean, I, I think for me, that's, that's kind of my simple end goal. Like I just want them to know that they can always come to me. So I'm super saturated
0: in the mom world, all types of moms, all kinds of ideas And something that I bump into when this topic comes up about preparing children and talking to them about their reproductive health Mm -hmm. is, I think if there is any pushback, it's this one thought is not wanting to take away the innocence of childhood. And Mm -hmm. some pushback of like introducing even the ideas of sex and what are our female production, reproduction organs, part of their function is like, how would you respond to that?
2: You know, I, th- I think society and, and Hollywood and social media obviously has taken sex to a whole new level. And it's just so, I mean, our society is saturated with it. Um, so I think that's hard. I think that's a challenge to protect our children from being bombarded by just overt sexualization. So I think protecting them as much as we can from the media, honestly. But I think just really being honest with them. I, I have explained sex to my children as, um, you know, a very basic level as sexual intercourse, as a very special hug between mommy and daddy. And I think that has really worked for a while. You know, that just may sound kind of corny and simplified, yeah, but, yeah, they're little. um, so yeah, tough question. You know, yeah. I, I just, and then as we're talking about bodies changing and that sort of thing, um, <laughs> it was pretty funny because we were on a road trip last week and it was me and the two kids in the car. And I forget what my husband was doing, but by the time he got back in the car, we were talking about periods. And he was like, yeah. "What did I miss?" Like, "How how did this Yeah, how did we get here? It just happened yeah. so quickly. Like all right. of a sudden I was talking about, well, when a girl gets to a certain age, mm-hmm.
1: her body
2: is ready to to make and have a baby even though, you know, she's not ready to be in a committed relationship and be married and have a daddy, her body is able to. But just because it's able to doesn't mean she's ready to have a baby. So having that separation. Right. um, But also talking about, you know, the daddy has a seed. If the seed isn't planted in the the fertile womb, then the mom's, the woman's body basically restarts itself. And she Mm -hmm. sheds that pillow lining of the womb and gets ready to do it again to see if it happens the next month. And then Charlie came in the truck. He's like, what are we talking about? (laughs) That's so funny. Yeah. Uh, Escalate so quickly to periods,
1: but it
0: did. I mean, I will say that I think I really am of the mindset that like having these intentional early conversations with our kiddos does a lot to de dis to dismantle the influences of hypersexualization sexualization in our culture. I agree. Because I think talking about it. Yeah, because if you just, if you say nothing on one side, this side's going to say something, right? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. I don't think you can just, you know, you yeah. can't just, like, leave it be.
2: Kids pick up when something's taboo. And then that just really sparks their curiosity about it. They're going to ask questions mm-hmm. somewhere. I want them to ask me so I can tell them facts and be sure that I'm setting them straight from the first time they're hearing it.
1: I think that a lot of times we don't have the conversation out of that fear that we're going to be the ones to take away some kind of innocence, mm-hmm. but there are a million voices just waiting to have that input. And so, yeah, yeah, we need to, we need to be the first voice and the loudest voice in that situation.
2: I don't really uh, associate the knowledge with the absence of innocence. I think they could still know and have the knowledge and still maintain that childhood innocence. That's my hope anyway. Okay, so I alluded to this a little bit at the beginning of the
0: episode. And this is about to get real personal, ladies. Are y'all ready? Are y'all ready for real, real too much information? From yeah, Emily? you
1: know I'm always ready.
0: <laughs> Great. <laughs> Yay. I think this is my prediction that the most sought after doctor, probably aside from maybe an infectious disease physician during the <laughs> pandemic, is going <laughs> to be the ob doctor. Point A, you've either had a lot of time on your hands and now you are with child. Uh This is going to happen. happen. They have seen a direct increase (laughs) in business. I have no doubt. A
1: baby boom. Baby
0: booming. Uh But point B is this has been an unbelievably stressful time. And here's the TMI part. I have had quite extensive changes in my typical menses and other gynecologic health issues Mm -hmm. that is like literally a direct manifestation of the stress Mm -hmm. that I've been carrying.
1: You know, it's, it's interesting that you bring that up because we did um, an episode with Dr. Lacey Welch, who Mm -hmm. um, does pelvic floor physical therapy. And something that I took away from that was that we as women carry a lot of emotions in our pelvic region and that it causes a lot of problems. So I'm interested, Jamie, in, in what you think about that and how we can during this time help
2: ourselves out. Oh, absolutely. And if y'all know, then tell me too, because um, I'm right there with you. This has been hard on healthcare providers for sure. No doubt about it. Stress has major effects on our bodies, including our gynecologic health. Um, It's one of those things that's just really hard to quantify. Um, So if you look for evidence-based medicine about how to stress affect periods, it's going to be hard to find because how would you even develop a study to measure stress and, um, to quantify that. So, um, but I've been practicing medicine long enough to just, to know that and to, to expect women to come into my office with changes in their menstrual cycle uh, with potential fertility problems when there are times of stress, whether in their life personally or globally, as we're now seeing. But stress definitely um, causes hormonal changes. Uh, cortisol is classically known to be that, that stress hormone that can go up. Um, a lot of women, including myself, will, will stress eat and look for those comfort foods, and reach for those late night snacks, and, um, and so weight changes, whether that be up or down. Now, some women do the opposite. Some women stop eating when they are stressed, and lose their appetite, and you know maybe so overwhelmed with fear and anxiety that they forget to eat, um, and can actually lose weight. So that too can have negative effects on our GYN health on our hormones, on our menstrual cycle. Um, in fact, losing too much body fat, you could stop having periods altogether. Um, we know body fat is a source of estrogen. But then on the other extreme, when we gain weight, um, we can start seeing some menstrual irregularities as well. And what I tell patients is that every individual has this golden window where their body um, golden window in regard to their weight, where within that that window, within that range, that's where their body is functioning most optimally. And if you drop below that, or if you get above that, you know, essentially having the period, it really is all about reproducing and about making a baby. So if your body senses, hey, you know what, you're not in an optimal place right now to reproduce, it's gonna not act right. It's you know, the periods are gonna get. Little funky, a little out of whack, and you know, either won't have them or you might be bleeding every week, every other yeah. week. Yeah, so there's no doubt about it. Stress um, can definitely, you know, wreak havoc on our periods. Um, and then for those ladies wanting to start their family, potentially, you know, struggling with fertility, you know, stress does not help. And easy for me to say, oh, well, just you know try to have a baby don't stress about it well of course that's not helpful like they want it so bad they want to get pregnant yesterday and but it seems like the harder they try the more stress they get and we know that has Mm -hmm. negative effects
0: you know there are many reasons why we can have like challenges or abnormalities in our um, menses in our gynecologic health like I think it's important as a woman, you know, to have a really good, I kind of call it like a catalog, you know, like a register, you have an ongoing, you know, kind of journal entry, mental entry that you're keeping up to know what is kind of your range of normal. And then when you fall out of that. Um, so what do you yeah, say to I, like women I, who come into your office and, you know, like we're coming and we have something that needs to be addressed. But really,
2: the underlying issue is a lot of something else. It's just an indicator of overall holistic kind of picture, right? Like I tell ladies, um, you know, your period is like a vital sign. It kind of lets you know how you're doing. It's like taking your temperature a little bit. And that's why we should keep track of it. It's important, you know, and there's plenty. You were kind of saying like a journal or what have you there's apps, there's all sorts of apps for that. It's so they're free. You can just, um, I use one called free menstrual calendar and it's just super easy. There's all these pretty backgrounds you can choose to make it pretty, but, um, super easy just to track and log it and kind of know, because that's easy too, to just be like, well, how much has it been that I've been bleeding now? Gosh, it seems like forever. When i just bleeding last week. Like if you don't keep track of it, you're not I mean, you got too much other stuff going on. How are you going to keep track of that too? I think having that relationship with your doctor, being able to open up, be like, hey, I'm a hot ass. I need help. Like, do you have a counselor I can talk to? Or, you know, what do you think might be going on? We can be a great starting point, a launching pad, you know, into other things. And, you know, mental health is a big part of what we do as gynecologists. It really is. What do you most want our
0: listeners to take away? Like, what do they need to know um, to be good advocates for their own health um, and tips for them to,
2: you know, be kind to themselves? So be empowered by your your own medical care, your body, know your body. Only you can take care of your own health. So make yourself a priority. And that is not selfish. It is important to do your well-woman preventative care. During the pandemic, that may have not been able to happen, but, you know, call your doctor and see if that's a possibility as numbers continue to go down. Hopefully, um, you know, pandemic aside, it is still really important to have that preventative health care, to have that well-woman examination every year and get to know your family history. It's an important. Important part of your health history. Um, So, talk to those relatives that are available to you and really dig into that and and find out as much as you can about diseases and cancers and conditions that may be a part of, of your family history. And self care is not selfish. So, take time for you, whatever that may look like for you. Even if it's just, you know, putting yourself in the closet for five minutes and closing the door and having five minutes of quiet solitude, it is okay. And then, as my late grandmother always said, this too shall pass.
0: Well, thanks so much for asking, answering all my medical questions today. <laughs> appreciated our little
2: appointment Absolutely. here. Absolutely.
0: And um, again, we'll have a link to our previous podcast on the topic in our show notes and also links to some of the products and info discussed in this episode. So thank you, Dr. Irwin. As always, visit fwmoms.com. To see the notes from this show, including links to products and content mentioned in this episode. And one more time, just in case you missed it, fwmoms.com.
1: Fort Worth Moms.